This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. Welcome to Voices of Your Village. You're listening to episode number 48. I got to hang out with Bridget Carroll. Bridget is somebody that I find myself turning to for sleep consultations or behavioral challenges when I'm not really sure if there's something else going on. Sometimes it feels like Maybe we're not getting to the root of this. Bridget knows all about gut health and is diving into how what we put into our bodies can affect so many different things, as well as how to find out if this is something we need to look into for you, for your tiny human, etc. Like, what are the signs that uh, we might need to dive further into this? And what are some things we can be doing to support our microbiome and positive gut health? She is a wealth of knowledge and I love having the opportunity to learn from her. I think so I grew up with uh, in a family where we had a pretty standard American diet, mashed potatoes and pasta and all the delicious things. And I still love a lot of those things. I also have the privilege of not having allergies or at least a known allergies or food sensitivities. So I, and I was pretty honest about that and that they're, they are very real things. And she dives into how real they are and how a lot of people might, might not know that their gut health is really affecting so many other areas in life. Here's the thing. There are so many things for parents and teachers and caregivers to be thinking of and be mindful of and all that jazz. It's impossible to know like, all right, what are the things I really need to do? Because if you try to do it all, you're always going to feel like you're not enough or you're not doing enough and that you're failing. And that's just not beneficial. So honestly, this is one of those things that I brought to you for a reason, because I think it is really important I've seen how food affects so many things in our tiny humans' lives from sometimes the obvious from like feeding and kiddos having things diagnosed like acid reflux or potty training or kiddos refusing certain foods sometimes is is like kind of in your face as that and sometimes not. 
Sometimes it's looking like headaches or migraines or mood swings or a whole number of things that are, there is a mind-body connection and Bridget goes into this and what that means and what's literally happening from the brain to the gut. So I'm very excited to share this with you. And also before we dive in, I asked her a couple questions afterward. We were hanging out and chatting and I wanted to include them here in the intro. One of the things that she said, she said she gets a lot of folks, a lot of folks come to her when they have either constipation or diarrhea that finally they're like, okay, I'll go check out this lady. First of all, it doesn't have to get to that point, but I asked her like, what are some things, what are some places to start if you are experiencing constipation? And she said adding magnesium or aloe or ginger can be helpful. Again, this is all personalized and you should speak with a doctor, but I wanted to hear her perspective on like, what does that look like? And then for diarrhea, she she always like starts with a probiotic because usually a diarrhea means that there is some bad bacteria happening. There could be some parasites, things like that. So just wanted to fill you in on that because I thought that was interesting and helpful and hopefully you do as well. Here's the thing though, <laughs> stressing about what you eat is also not healthy. So if you find yourself wicked stressed about what your tiny human is putting into their body or what you're putting into your body and it's all consuming, that stress has a giant negative effect, not just on you, but also on your tiny human. So we've got to find balance here, folks. We've got to find balance here. And it doesn't have to be this like all or nothing. You either eat all organic, free range, whatever, or you don't. Like that's not how the world works. So give yourself some grace here. Let's navigate this conversation together. And head on over to Instagram afterward at seed.and.so or into our Facebook group, Seed and Sow, colon, Voices of Your Village, and join the conversation. I want to hear from you. I want to hear your follow-up thoughts and questions. Let's do this, folks. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blass Campbell. Hey everyone, welcome to Voices of Your Village. Today, I am here with my new pal, Bridget Carroll. Hey, Bridget. Hi, Alyssa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to nerd out with you. Yeah, I love a good nerdy conversation. So, Bridget, can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So, hi, everyone. Excited to really spend some time with you today. Um, I'm Bridget Carroll. I'm an integrative and functional dietitian. Uh, what that means is the functional medicine part is really I try to get to the root cause of my client's issues and imbalances, and I like to integrate a lot of different parts of their lives. Um, so what you do, Alyssa, is so important when I'm talking to my clients, the importance of sleep. But as a dietitian, I really am passionate about food as medicine, gut health, which I hope to get into a little bit today. And, you know, just trying to get to the root cause of imbalance. 
what I love to do with my clients. Um, I started doing this, you know, I went to conventional dietitian school and studied nutrition and always had questions for my professors, things that I wanted to delve into more and um, never really got those answered in undergrad but then went to graduate school and got introduced to functional nutrition and figured out that there was more to nutrition than just uh, the food pyramid, right? So, um, you know, kind of questioning why, why aren't we um, supporting our clients with supplementation or why are we not looking at the full picture? And I knew for myself, I had a lot of imbalances. Specifically, I was constipated all the time as a child and was just told, yeah, this is normal. At one point was given Miralax and um, it didn't really help. And then developed migraines and all of these different imbalances and really didn't get any support from the medical community. So that's why I got really passionate about it. And also I just wanted to help people more than just, okay, here's just eat your vegetables. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. So I think that there are probably a lot of people going like, sweet, what does it mean for my kid? And I'm very excited to dive into that because it's something that in the last like couple of years that I've learned about, but up until that point, really didn't know or understand or see, especially like how it affected tiny humans and kind of what we can be looking for and all that jazz. And then now, I mean, I, in my last sleep consult, literally reached out to you and was like, hey, <laughs> I have some questions. Now I see just how integrated it is into everything, including sleep. So I got some questions for you from our village. The first question that is just for me is like, what is gut health? I feel like it's super buzzwordy right now and everybody's talking about it, but I would love for you to just break down, like, what does that mean? Sure, sure. So yeah, super trendy topic, right? And when we talk about the gut, we're really talking mostly about the stomach, small intestines, and large intestines. But um, the whole GI tract starts in the mouth. So if we want to get really um, technical, it starts there. But when the term gut health is out in um, our community and out in um, media, they're really talking about the stomach and intestines. And there are so many different things that encompass gut health, being our good bacteria and our bad bacteria. Um, do we have enough protection from the good guys? And um, are we being invaded by the bad guys? That's a huge thing I look at uh, with my clients. And then we also hear about a very trendy term called leaky gut, which is... <laughs> yeah, that's a gnarly term, P.S. <laughs> and it's an actually a medical thing that's going on. But now that we're terming it like this such trendy, you know, words that it, it's not um, maybe getting as much uh, importance as it needs to, but it's actually a thing. And what it actually means is that our intestines are permeable, which things and proteins, microscopic food particles can go through. And if we talk about our kiddos, the rise in food sensitivities, the rise in allergies and asthma and intestinal permeability is really at the cornerstone of that. And in our environment, why gut health again, is being talked about so much. There's so many different things that hinder gut, good gut health. 
being uh, pesticides, not enough fruits and vegetables. I mean, if we think about these tiny humans, those are two of the biggest things that they're hit with. Antibiotic use. It's just wild. So that's a little snapshot in what to gut health is. Yeah, it's interesting. And I... It's tough for me because I want to navigate this conversation with science and information and also be mindful of diet culture, right? And and making sure that when we are talking about gut health as in general as a society and as parents, that we are addressing kind of like what that it, that it's not a one size fits all. And that what will be right for some folks might not be right for other folks. And so I think often in diet culture, we hear things like, oh, cut all the gluten or cut all the dairy or cut all the carbs or there's always a rule, sugar, whatever. There's always a different rule in a different diet. And I just want to be mindful of the fact that like that's diet culture speaking. And what we're going to talk about here is about the science of what's happening in, in your body essentially, and that everybody's body might respond differently to different things. I love that, Alyssa. If I could say what I'm trying to get across, I think you just did, um, that it's such an individualized approach. And especially diet culture, when we're talking to our kids, we need to be positive about the wonderful foods that we're eating and you know, not putting a negative connotation on that. One thing that I do do with a lot of clients is sometimes if we're having a lot of allergies or our tummies aren't feeling well, we try taking out things. But mm-hmm. I always come back to what, let's focus on what you can have, mm-hmm. right? Let's focus on all the wonderful colors of fruits and vegetables that there are to have and using yourself as an experiment. Is this going to make you feel better? Is this going to make your kiddo feel better? Is this going to make your breastfeeding baby feel better? And like you said, completely individualized approach. I think it's a great way to teach self-awareness, right? Like I talk a lot in my work about self-awareness in terms of learning to identify your emotions and and how you feel in that sense. But self-awareness in terms of how does your body physically feel, right? Like, how do you feel after you have this food versus this food? There's no right answer. I can literally eat a box of milk duds and feel fine. Let me tell you, I feel <laughs> fine. <laughs> and, right. But like my husband, if he ate a box of milk duds, would be a crazy person. He can have a little bit of sugar and can't have a lot. Like it, we wow. both, our bodies respond differently to things. And so I think like, this is a cool way to teach kids. Hmm, I wonder how it feels when you eat that because we don't know how it feels when they eat that. Exactly, exactly. And I know one of your other podcast guests, Lori, mm-hmm. um, is wonderful. I talk to you about these things all the time because with some kids too, it's even hard for them to verbalize mm-hmm. you know, how they're feeling. And I see some kids that you know are restrictive in their eating um, or you know have sensory issues that they're dealing with and they don't even know how to say, I don't like vegetables because they don't make my stomach feel well. Right. You know, and then we do some digger, you know, dive deeper and figure out, oh, well, maybe their stomach isn't feeling well. That's why they're having adverse reactions to these things. So it it goes gets deeper too, but I think self-awareness is at the cornerstone of it. How do you like start to see, like, how would somebody know, 
oh, maybe there is something kind of from a gut health perspective going on here, something else we should be looking at. Like what are signs or things you would be looking for at different ages and stages too? Sure, sure. So I think you you want to start out with our babes, our our smallest little guys, and um, we see a lot of like skin issues, so eczema, psoriasis, different things like that. Um, and really, we know the gut microbiome, our balance of good and bad bacteria, is started when they're in the belly still. Mm-hmm. And even much before that, they're now doing research that it starts a couple generations before. So I can blame it all on my mom and my grandma and my, <laughs> it's nice. Like, yeah, that, that off. exactly. That were <laughs> conventional medicine, you know, there are a couple things you can find things on, but for sure, you know, if I use my mom as an example, she never had a good tummy and then mm-hmm. pass that along to me. And The same thing can happen with our kiddos nowadays where they start out even in the womb with not supporting good bacteria. So then they're born. Uh um, I I think of skin issues all the time, colic or, um, you know, a lot of, even when they're younger, gastrointestinal issues, whether that be um, abnormal stool or a lot of diarrhea or just being constipated. So you can think of like the overt gastrointestinal issues in any stage, you know, not going to the bathroom often Mm -hmm. or it always being, you know, watery consistency and then just tummy aches are a huge one. So when we're hearing these things from the kiddos thinking a little deeper on how else, you know, we can support them and um, different things like that. Yeah, I think that's huge. And I think like from my perspective, what I see a lot of for, for my sleep clients and for folks with young infants is this like overdiagnosis of acid reflux when maybe there's something oh, else going gosh. on yeah. and now they're just on acid reflux meds. And also one thing that I've been particularly, it's, I've been attuned to lately is this snacking, right? Like some kiddos can sit wow. down and have a four ounce bottle and other kiddos, it could take them two hours to have three ounces. And so why, right? I recently sent you an email that literally said this, like, this is happening. Why is it happening? And we can troubleshoot. But I guess it's figuring out and knowing like what is expected. I hesitate to use the word normal because I think there are variations of normal, but what is expected from a tiny human and what isn't? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I guess like I wouldn't expect so many kids to have acid reflux and I wouldn't expect kids to take two hours to have three ounces of milk. Absolutely. And it's hard because they can't talk to us, right? Mm-hmm. They can't mm-hmm. say, yeah, my stomach doesn't feel well when I'm, you know, eat, drinking this bottle or drinking from my mama or I'm, you know, we, we just don't know. So that adds another whole level to it. But really supporting the microbiome a lot in those zero to two years is what does that look like wildly how do you do that so i think if they're having the adverse food reactions it can be coming from mom right so Mm -hmm. say we're having like a lot of acid reflux which you're so right the amount of kids that now have acid reflux is through the roof but mom can change her diet so things I do go to first are dairy, you know, um, and giving it a trial, take it out of mom's diet, um, see if the baby, again, going back to the individual, seeing if that baby reacts well and doing it for a good three weeks and doing it pretty 
strict because then you're going to really be able to tell if it had a difference for your babe. Gluten can be another one, um, can be sugar, but then also you can add a little bit of, um, powdered probiotics, to the mom's nipple. Mm. Um, and that can be really nice, uh, way to get in some good bacteria and see if that makes a difference. So a couple of different things to try there. Having Sage approved audio for our car rides is a literal lifesaver for my nervous system. And I love making lists of podcasts to share with him when he's ready. I was so excited to hear about a new show called Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as MATH, M-A-T-H, geared toward the six plus crowd. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time traveling adventures. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long. The perfect length for car rides and mealtimes and stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for me, Labine, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash voices. I like that. I hadn't thought about adding it to mom's nipple. I'm just going to, I'm going to say a controversial thing that I think I will get some flack for. (laughs) So I don't believe in colic. Okay. <laughs> I don't believe that it's a thing. I I think that what it is is a way for us to put a label on something when we don't know what's the root, what the root is. And I anyone who listens to this podcast or follows me in any fashion knows that like I am a root of the problem kind of gal. I don't want to put a band-aid on it. This is why I don't practice cry it out. Like I want to figure out what's going on so that we can fix that root so that there's nothing in this tiny human's way down the road. Because I think when we put a bandaid on something, then whatever was causing that will come out in other ways down the road. For sure. So I don't believe in colic. And I, I guess what I want for parents to have access to is if we don't know the route, where do you turn next? Right. So if you have this tiny human who isn't feeding and you've tried and tried and tried with an IBCLC and you're still they're still not feeding. Like, what do you do next? What are the next steps to take? Yeah. And let me just say, I am that type of gal as well. Like every single chronic disease, and we can get into the adults too, but like 
how many different syndromes do we have now? Chronic fatigue syndrome, this syndrome, that syndrome. And they're just now coming out. Like what the heck? These aren't, these are a way for insurances to bill and for doctors, you know, no offense, these doctors, but to put a label on something so they know how to quote unquote treat it. Mm -hmm. So I am with you a hundred percent there. And your question specifically, to, so I have to agree with you on that. It's just, can you repeat it? Yeah, 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 for sure. Where do you turn next, right? If you've been working, I think part of it is is not knowing where to turn or where to go. If you, or in not knowing like, is this just normal? Like the parent I was working with recently that I sent you an email about, I, I saw snacking all day as a red flag and her pediatrician said, let this baby cry for three nights and you won't have to do this again. Like she doesn't need to be eating throughout the night. And yeah, that we probably could have done that. But I, in the end, she was actually hungry and we increased our food amount and uh, she, we were able to do that through dietary changes, but um, from mom, but she, right. at the end of the day, like mom didn't know. And I think this is very typical and very common that, snacking in the way that she was snacking isn't typical and doesn't have to be happening at a certain age, right? Like there, we go from newborn to young infant and during the newborn stage, like, yeah, feed on demand, we're snacking all the time. Like that's fine. And then it, there comes a point where kiddos should be able to go longer stretches and should be taking more in a sitting or in a feeding. And I think like that education for parents would be very helpful because then what ended up happening was this tiny human did need to wake up multiple times a night to eat because she couldn't take in a decent quantity at a time. So she was genuinely hungry. But I guess like what I, I think from a parent perspective, there's so much freaking information that you have to know about these tiny humans. And this is why we started Seed and So, right? Like, there's no way you should be able to know, you could be able to know all the things about raising a human and, and raising a human to be a functional member of society that's healthy and strong and all the things. And what I want is to be able to bring these experts like you and Lori and, and a million others into the space with parents so that parents can have their questions answered and to take the shame and the ego out of it of like, you don't have to have all the answers, but also to highlight your pediatrician doesn't have all the answers. Right. Uh, one of my very good friends is a pediatrician and she's like, will you guys stop throwing things on our plate that we're not trained to do? <laughs> but we do. We just keep doing that. We send them to a pediatrician and that's the person who's answering all these parent questions when they're, it's not necessarily their training. Right. Right. And it, and that's so right. At As quote unquote experts, we still don't have all the answers and neither do the mamas. And, you know, it's, it's a tough thing to navigate in my, what, what's helped me both as a practitioner and as a patient is looking at people that have similar ideas to where we have, which are, there is a route to this issue. So that type of medicine, one you know, section of it is called functional medicine. And we're putting that label on it. Not everyone who, and that's not saying people who aren't functional medicine don't have the answers. That's where I start. That's where I start with my clients. And 
I think it's very important with any practitioner, no matter what you study is being open to what other practitioners are doing. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, when I reached out, I reached out to you and three other people (laughs) when I was trying to figure out what's going on with, with this mama. So we went through like kind of how it could show up in babies. How do we generally see like gut health challenges showing up in, in toddlerhood or in the preschool years? It's going to be a little similar, um, but maybe now they're going to be able to tell us I have a stomach ache or they might start with avoiding some types of foods. That, those are two big red flags for me, especially avoiding foods. I guess even both of them, but it can be a sensory issue for sure. And that's where I go to Lori and ask her, you know, where do we start here? But again, skin issues. So psoriasis, eczema, um, those are big ones as well. And then just checking in how your kiddo's bowel movements are going. You know, if they're a toddler, you probably know. But if they're getting into preschool or kindergarten, maybe they're not sharing with you or maybe you're not super aware. And that's a really important thing. There are so many kids who are constipated nowadays. Mm, interesting. And like, I guess, yeah, from like a potty training perspective, you could you would probably find out there, huh? Right. Exactly. Yeah. But, and it changes. I think it can change year to year, you know, so they were fine, you know, when they, when you were first potty training and now maybe you're not checking in, just making sure, okay, you're going every day, right? Cause you need to be going every single day. And again, we so go that's back. a good expectation to set, like our kids pooping every day. Yes. Yes. And when we go back to normal, everything's different for everyone. But if there's one thing that needs to be pretty darn regular, it's pooping. Interesting. So you touched on like your experience with Miralax. I know a lot of kids who have been on Miralax. What's the alternative? Um, Finding someone who can get, again, to the root cause of why the constipation isn't going on. There's something we haven't even touched on, but is ultra important, which is the mind-gut connection. Tell me more. Yes. (laughs) So we have this nerve, it's from uh, the bottom of our brain, and it goes many different places in the body, but one very important place it goes to is our gut, our stomach, and our intestines. And this is called our vagus nerve, our good old friend, the vagus nerve. And it's like a cell phone. So there's a cell phone up at your brain, and there's a cell phone down at your gut, and they're talking to each other. So say you have an anxious kiddo, a little bit stressed, whether whatever it is about, not even going to the bathroom, but just in general, maybe they're starting a new school year or something like that. It's actually going to send signals to the gut, not only to change the balance of good and bad bacteria, but to stop peristalsis, which is literally movement of food and waste throughout our intestines. Similarly, say kiddo was on a ton of antibiotics as a babe, and then went throughout, you know, ones and twos and um, wasn't eating a lot of maybe vegetables. And um, so not supporting the balance of good and bad bacteria. Say that that there's an imbalance in the gut, that's going to send signals actually to the brain to not feel as well. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of a cycle here. Yeah, that is. You know, I was thinking, as you said that, like every September, I, without fail, get messages from parents that's like, 
Uh, my kid won't go to the bathroom at school. They are just holding it all day at school. Yeah. But that's what this is, eh? Yes, definitely. I mean, then they're anxious more than mm-hmm. it's just, it ends up being a very vicious cycle. Yeah. Um, so I think normalizing too can be a little helpful. Um, and even I have to do that with my 50, 60 year olds, right? Like we're going to talk about poop. It's really important. It's something that everyone does. Right. Well, and like, I mean, the sphincter law, if we're going to throw back to Ina May, uh, any woman that has tried to open her cervix knows you, you don't get to just do that. You have to be relaxed and you have to be in the right mind frame. And I'm sure that this is also related there. I mean, the, your anus is another sphincter, so it doesn't open unless it's for sure. And it feels safe. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And there's, you know, another piece of that too is called rest and digest. So if we're anxious while we're eating, um, and this kind of goes into our toddlers, if they're anxious while they're eating, their body isn't able to send signals to the gut to send enzymes in the digestive juices. So maybe we're not digesting well from that sort of mind-gut connection as well. And then we can't go to the bathroom and it just... quite the cycle. Um, Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. I mean, this is, it it ties so much into our emotional development work that we're doing in decreasing anxiety and helping kids process emotions so that they're not getting stuck in a feeling. Apparently it also affects your poop. So that's insane. Absolutely. Okay, cool. So say a kiddo comes to you, you have a mom or a dad or a caregiver who brings this tiny human to you. Where do you start? How are you kind of like, are you doing tests? Is it a trial and error thing? Most of the time I test. Um, and a lot of the times it's through the stool. So that's going to look at our balance of good and bad bacteria. It'll look at parasites. You'd be shocked at probably 85% of my clients have parasites. Hmm. And if they go to the GI doc or they go to their um, pediatrician, they might test for one. Giardia or something like that, when really there are 20 that could be doing damage and creating inflammation and creating, you know, all the tummy stress we're talking about. It also looks at inflammation. It looks at some other things like our immune system, which is very important as well, because 70% of our immune system is housed in the gut. So the stool test is really helpful, especially when we're having a lot of GI distress or any of the skin issues, acid reflux, absolutely. We can also look at urine, which I do a lot too, um, which is going to look at pathogenic bacteria, so the bad guys. It'll also look at yeast overgrowth. So I've seen some mm, toddlers that are starting to have you know, uh, yeast overgrowth in their vagina. And you're like, how, how is this happening already? They're so young. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's coming from inside and, um, you know, how do we get to the root of that? And the root of that might be high sugar intake. It could have been a lot of antibiotics so that the good bacteria isn't protecting against that and some other, you know, lifestyle things that go along with it. So the urine can be really good too. And then we can also look at their, their vitamins and other nutrients that are going to support them. That is fascinating how much you can tell just from what's coming out of us. Yes, definitely. And it can be, you know, I'm seeing kids more and more now being diagnosed younger and younger with 
IBDs, you know, and yeah, and I think it's younger and younger and it's really shocking to me. What age do you start like working with kiddos? My youngest client has been two weeks old. Wow. Um, What are you doing with a two week old? Like what brought someone, how did someone in two weeks already assess like, I need Bridget in my life? (laughs) (laughs) Mama had a lot of different bacterial issues in the gut before having me. And then um, the baby had like full body eczema coming out. Um, So that's a big sign. So we worked on the bacterial balance, you know, giving a little, you know, like microdoses of good bacteria on the mom's nipple. And then we also worked on the mom's diet. And so the, and a lot of crying, you know, going on. So we could tell there was something up. Mm -hmm. Do you, is this something that like you find out a diet that works for you and then you're kind of good or is this something we should be, is it like ongoing? Does it change? It absolutely changes. So if we think about food sensitivities and say someone's not reacting well to dairy, it could be like there's this imbalance of good or bad bacteria. They could have leaky gut. So if we get to the root of it and then we can maybe change back the diet if they were avoiding dairy because it didn't make them feel well. Again, we're going to keep going back to the individual. Mm -hmm. Um, because especially with kids, you know, taking out foods is pretty hard. You know, we also though live in a society where pizza is a food group. Right, right, right. Well, because it's delicious. <laughs> totally right. I'm totally with so, you. On that. Uh, I don't want it to not be one of my food groups. To be honest, uh, you're one of the lucky ones. You know, you don't you don't feel like crap after a box of milk duds. But I. Totally. I, I I see a lot of the people who just aren't feeling well. So for them, we got to use the food as medicine. And I also think though that like for me, food definitely does affect me. Not as much like, I wouldn't say necessarily feel like crap, but it, it can affect my mood and my energy level and things like that. So that's where I had to bring in self-awareness around this. And I think like I grew up and I think so many of us did not really thinking about food that way. It was just like, yeah, I also grew up in a very low income community and mom made one thing for dinner for the seven of us. And that was it, man. Like there wasn't, it was a crock pot meal or it was whatever we could make for the cheapest amount of money. Cause there were seven of us with no money. So it was, I, I didn't grow up with this mentality of like, Oh, let me see how this feels in my body and see if I'll like it. And if it'll work. Yeah. Right. Like it was like, no, do you want to eat or no? And yeah. So as like an adult, I've had to make that switch of like, hmm, how does this feel when I eat it? And I don't, I guess what I want for, I think we, we can be often restrictive with tiny humans where we're like, it has to be free range, organic, non-GMO, whatever, all the buzzwords. And that doesn't necessarily make it something that's like going to feel good in their body. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And for food to be like, again, I go back to medicinal, but we don't even need to think about this when we're thinking about this kid, our kids, but like their mentality towards it, right? Mm-hmm. So if we put all these restrictions on them, we want to think about down the road, like how are they going to feel about food? So I always try to bring my little kiddos into the discussion, 
mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah, even if they're five years, you know, five years old, we need to like, but I'm not going to make you do this, you know, and this isn't, it, it, it's not about me and what I want. It's about what they want. Mm-hmm. So if they want to feel better, you know, I had a client, an autistic um, kiddo who just, I was like, you know, giving, you know, trying to eat less gluten might make you feel well. And he was very, I love him to death, but very like, no, I'm not going to do that. I was like, okay. A couple months later, we've been working together almost a year and he decided himself, I think I'm going to try this. He comes back three weeks later and he's like, I feel so much better. And he gave me the biggest hug. But it was, it had to be his decision at that point. It's so frustrating to spend the money and effort to buy your kids clothes just to have them grow out of the size within a week or have your kids complain that they itch, pinch, or just aren't comfortable. If you're with me on this, you've got to check out Posh Peanut. Their sensitive skin-friendly clothes are made from viscose from bamboo, stretch with your kid as they grow, and they're also made to last. Posh Peanut makes thoughtfully crafted, super cute clothing for kids and families. It is the softest thing, y'all. The design is all done in-house with different patterns, and it came in the mail, and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to wear this for myself every day. Their luxe women's pajamas and robes were all that I wanted to wear postpartum for nursing and hanging out on the couch with Mila. It helps so much that the fabric is breathable and chemical-free, which means they're delicate against Mila's sensitive skin, too. And I totally get why Posh Peanut is loved by over 1 million parents. Right now, Posh Peanut is offering our listeners 20% off your first order with promo code VILLAGE. Go to poshpeanut.com village and use promo code VILLAGE for 20% off your first order. That's poshpeanut.com village, promo code VILLAGE. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. Right. Um, well, even with our toddlers, like I at lunchtime, we could talk about where's our food coming from? And just like normalizing food in general, like where's it made? Where's it coming from? And what does it do in your body? Like, why do you eat this food? When it goes in, what is it doing? Like, how is it giving you energy or helping you to stay healthy? Like, I think we often break foods up for kiddos in terms of like healthy and unhealthy. And I want to stop doing that. I want to talk about like what a food is actually doing when it goes in your body. But I think it starts with like adults knowing what does this food do when it goes in your body, right? Like we have to know first, but I I think that that's such a powerful way to talk about food with kids because then as they grow up, they can think about like, 
oh, if I have a soccer game tonight, what am I going to want to put in my body so that I can have enough energy to keep going or whatever it is? Like they're thinking about food as like a source of health and energy and all that jazz and not as a like, I can't eat the box of milk duds because it's not healthy. Right. No, it it just, I wouldn't eat a box of milk duds and then go play soccer. Like it's not going to make me feel good. Yeah, yeah. But if I'm laying on that couch watching a movie, you bet your bottom dollar, it's I'm fine with having a box of milk duds. And I know what to do for Halloween next year. <laughs> I did put out uh, on Facebook and Instagram that if anybody needed my address to send all their milk duds to, I would give that out publicly. <laughs> and there were no takers. No? no you didn't uh, receive any? <laughs> none. It was pretty rude, actually. But I love I like love- teaching kids about like what does this do in your body and not just like this is a healthy food, this is not a healthy food, or the like you have to have all your broccoli before you have your blank. Like you don't have to eat your broccoli. You don't have to eat any of this, but if you only eat ice cream, here's how that might feel in your body. Let's see how that feels. Yeah. Yeah. I I really love that. And a reason why I love working with both the kiddos and our parents is um, in a lot of households, it's been very interesting for me to figure out too, where the influence is coming from. Hmm. You know, it can't, we can totally be influenced by our kids and what they're saying. And, you know, now we're having so many more, um, you know, lifestyle classes at school, hopefully that are teaching them these things. Um, But, you know, the parents still buying the food and they're still educating their child and they're looked at as such in the household. So we kind of have to go at it both ways. And I remember in my education, we were like, we have to start with the kids, which yes, totally. But it's going to take a lot of convincing to the parents that they need to buy, you know what I mean? So we have to come in at both angles, I think. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that first and foremost is like people realizing that what you put in your body does matter. Like it does affect, it's going to go in and do something, right? And so whether you're putting sugar in from fruit or milk duds, or if you're putting like grains in, whatever it is, like it doesn't make it a bad food, but when it goes in your body, it's going to do something. And what do you want it to do? right? Like what is going to help you feel better? And again, this is going to be different for everybody. And this is where we, I think, can teach that self-awareness of like, how does this feel when it goes in my body? And how do I feel about it? Like you also, I think, should be eating food that you enjoy. Like it's more than food as medicine. Like I think it's also an experience. Like mealtime is an experience. And it's a place for conversation and all these things that like, I don't think it has to be just as like, Ooh, I eat tomatoes, even though I hate them, but I eat them because they do X for my body. Like, I don't think that that's how it has to be. Uh, I think we can integrate all these things. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I love that because I had a client who was eating broccoli every day for lunch. And they use Thousand Island dressing. And, um, you know, I was like, okay, like, uh, it it was just a discussion. They're like, I load my salad with Thousand Island dressing. I'm like, why? You're just having dressing at that point. This is how the discussion started. And then he said, 
well, I hate broccoli. <laughs> You're like, so stop eating broccoli. He <laughs> <laughs> said, stop eating broccoli. And he's like, well, then I won't need the Thousand Island dressing again. And it was like, okay. <laughs> but it was just such a funny conversation. And since then, doesn't even feel like you need dressing, which is just hilarious to me. Totally. Um, but I, think- I totally get that. There have definitely been things in my life where I'm like... <sighs> I should eat this. In fact, we were, Zach and I have a smoothie every morning to start our day. And it took us a while to figure out like a smoothie recipe that worked for us, that we felt good about. And that was like, the whole point of it was to like, for me to start my day with some greens and to get things in that like, like we put vitamin D drops in there, just like stuff that I want to have in my body. And I know that for me, my lunches are a wild card. Like I could sit down and get in the zone yeah. work, and then I'm just like, oh, I have to eat. That's right. And I'll pop down and grab what's ever fastest and easiest. And then dinners, Zach cooks it. Zach, Zach's really in the kitchen for most of our meals. But um, I, for the smoothies, like it, there was a time where I was like choking down smoothies. <laughs> it was like, this is not wow. sustainable, right? Like I'm not going to keep this up if I don't enjoy it too. And so we had to figure out like what, recipe will work. And there, it wasn't always a nice discussion. There were times where it was like, oh, right. You just made this thing for me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is brutal. I know. I know. And that goes to, you know, our moms that are listening to this, we can't all do everything in a day. Mm-mm. So, and a lot of times healthy eating goes, you know, through the wayside, I think a little bit of it too is like thinking, what can I do? Mm-hmm. Putting the positivity towards that. Like I'm getting in this bomb smoothie for my body in the morning. It tastes good most of the time. And <laughs> now it does. <laughs> you do have to find the groove. I completely get you. Um, so yeah, we can't do everything all the time. No. And I think that that's fine, right? Like yeah. It, it honestly, I think so many folks spend so much time stressing about food that yeah. the stress that is going into your body over what you're eating and how much and all that jazz is worse than if you just ate the crap, right? Like it <laughs> doesn't, uh, it, this isn't like separate. It's not like, oh, health is what I put into my body uh, sure. and mental health is separate. Like you're, as you were saying with like the brain gut connection your mental health. So if you're stressing about like, oh my gosh, my kid ate this non-organic thing, whatever. Guess what? That kid has eaten so much crap off the floor. Like sister, you've got to stop stressing about every little thing that goes into their body because the stress that you're experiencing here is not healthy. Yes. Yes. And I think you have to find practitioners that practitioners, whatever, um, you know, we want to call ourselves that are going to ask these questions of you. I know when I'm talking to my clients about any changes, one, I suggest changes and then they pick what they would like to do. And I also ask them how it's going to make them feel. You know what I mean? So if we're talking about, Hey, your kiddo has a lot of eczema or they have a lot of reflux, like let's, let's take out this one thing for a couple weeks, if that is going to be wicked stressful, let's not do it. Totally. Yeah. And we have to be asking those questions. Yeah. I agree. And so now for all the folks that are listening to this who are like, okay, but if my kid has eczema or psoriasis or what has something, 
and they won't stop crying or they have colic and I don't know what it is, <laughs> Alyssa, where do I start? Where do they start? So if they've gone to their pediatrician, they're not getting like answers to this and um, maybe they've checked with an IBCLC, they're not getting answers. Where do people turn to get this information? I think the two um, different areas of medicine um, can be the integrative medicine and the functional medicine. So um, whether you're looking for someone um, that has that training or they even call themselves that, I think even like looking at someone's like resume, looking at their website, you know, I look at yours and I'm like, holy crap, I want to go to her. You know, <laughs> feeling that like good vibe when you're talking with them about your children's issues um, or imbalances. So you just, I think your gut feeling, no pun intended, but like it <laughs> is a good one to follow. Um, but then if you need more guidance than that, integrative or functional medicine practitioners um, can be really, really helpful. Awesome. Um, are there any trends that you've seen that say like, well, I've seen a lot of kids that respond well to this or... Um, again, I know it'll be like individual as we go into the details, but are there any trends you've noticed? Um, in, as food, as far as like choosing different food groups, mm -hmm. um, I really go to the gluten and dairy can be most problematic again, super individual. And mm -hmm. I like to make sure that my clients feel good about that decision, um, but I do find it to be, if we go to the science, there's a ton of science on gluten, gluten sensitivities, what it does to the gut. It upregulates. Like, why is it? Yeah. Right. So it goes back to the intestinal permeability piece and the way, which this is something that many people have heard, the way that our gluten and bread is made now is very different from the forties. You know, the pesticides can be an issue, especially with this group, but um, they literally make the intestinal wall more permeable. Mm. And that becomes a problem with the microscopic proteins going through our system and uh, changing different processes. So I think of um, mood disorders, I think of skin issues, I think of um, migraines and joint pain. Those are the biggest that we know, okay, gluten might be an issue here. Mm. Um, but up, upregulate zonulin, which is actually the marker for how impermeable the intestine is. And we can test that. So no guessing here. We can literally see if this is an issue. That's um, cool. Yeah. Do you, what are your thoughts on like kid food like the kids menu obviously is usually like breaded food but in general like doing a different meal for your tiny human than for you for dinner like are there certain foods that yeah your gut needs you need time before your gut can handle that food or um could we really be um, introducing our kiddos to the same food that we're eating Right. I'm going to be controversial in this too. Cool. So I love it. 
<laughs> but throw out the darn kids menu. Okay. They can be eating the same darn things we're eating. And I think that adds a whole like mental aspect of it. Like it does not need to be different from a gastrointestinal way to a mental way. No. So throw out the kids menu. They can be eating the same darn thing we're doing. And Hey, how much stress would that take off the mama if she was making one meal? Yeah. Well, what if the kid's like, mm, I'm not going to eat that? Well, I'm, I'm not a mother yet. So I haven't been through that. And I, I ask my kiddo clients and I ask, you know, I used to be a nanny. I ask them to have an open mind and to try things. So that's where I guess my stance is with that. I don't think I have a hard and fast stance on that. Mm-hmm. I would re- I would refer to you and um, in that area. <laughs> Send them on over. Yeah. Uh, well, I would tell them yeah, what, is your what I made for dinner. And then if it continues, I would like try different foods in different ways. Like if every time I make sweet potatoes, they don't want it. Maybe they don't like sweet potatoes and that's okay. <laughs> because I think also taste can play a role here. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like oh, sure. if... If you don't like sweet potatoes, that's fine. Like I, but I would try them in different meals, and I wouldn't give a substitute. To be honest, okay. I am like a. I made this for dinner. I maybe it's just from my parents, but uh, I made this for dinner, and this is what's for dinner. You don't have to eat it, but there yeah. isn't another thing. Right. I. So my dad was one of eleven. So I know mm. you're from a big family. His is a ginormous family. Yeah how it was. That's how it was in my household. And I don't think it scarred me. Like I, I think it made me a more um, curious, a more open eater. So um, I think you verbalized how I feel internally. So thank you. Yeah, yeah you're welcome. Well, and I think like it's our job when I think about setting boundaries for kids, I, I set them based on three rules. Is this something for their health, something for their safety or something that'll help them grow and develop? And so for this one, like food for me is like, this is for their health. So I'm going to provide a meal that is balanced, that can get them their nutrients and all that jazz. And if they don't want it, that's fine. But I'm not going to just give them, it's not like ice cream for dinner every night because you don't want this thing. Uh, That's how I see it. I see it as like, that's my job as the adult is to provide you with a meal that is balanced so that you can be healthy and grow. Right, right. And um, if we, if as parents too, we are doing these things and eating these health supportive things that also we make very delicious, we're being a role model. I have some clients where the kids are the role models, which kudos to them and whoever's helping them through that. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically the uh, adults are the role models of how to eat and how to be open and um, how to talk about food. So I think we do need to try harder as a, um, as a nation. I'm not sure. Maybe your, your community is probably pretty darn good in this, but um, just around food and also talking I mean, we go into like the food, um, how we discuss food, but then how we discuss our bodies mm-hmm. too, yeah. which I well, think we have an episode happen. coming up about that uh, oh, with two registered it. dietitians. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. 
So stay tuned, folks. And I actually, while we're on like episodes, I know we have mentioned Lori a couple times here. So folks who haven't listened to her episode, she is episode 39 and she's also episode four. 39 is specific to food and the sensory system and four is like a general overview of the sensory system. And she is a goddess. Yes. <laughs> so go tune into those if you haven't already. Yeah, I, she she's phenomenal. She is. She is how we met for those yeah. tuning in. Uh, awesome. Well, Bridget, where can people connect with you if they have questions or they're interested in learning more, all that jazz? Sure. So I'm now running a private practice out of a wellness store in Waltham, Massachusetts. Um, I see anywhere, like I said, two weeks to 86 years old. And um, I am really, again, trying to get to the root cause of issues and imbalances. You can shoot me an email if you'd like. If um, you're saying, yes, yes, my kiddo has this or I have this, shoot me an email at Bridget, B-R-I-D-G-I-T-T-E at naturalcompounder.com. You can also find me on the IG, Instagram at Bridget's Table. And I'd love to connect with you. I really went into this because I was frustrated that I wasn't getting the answers that I needed for my health. So I am here to be a resource for you and for your family. However I can help, I would love to. I love that. Thanks. We will link to your email and your Instagram in uh, the blog post. Bridget, thank you so much for coming on and teaching me about about my gut health. (laughs) And thank you for all that you do too. If there's one thing I bring up constantly with people is the importance of quality sleep. And I am nowhere near the expert that you are, but I really appreciate what you do as well. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community for all of you to be a part of so that we can all gather together to raise emotionally intelligent humans? Head on over to Facebook, search Seed and Sow colon Voices of Your Village and dive into that Facebook group. We cannot wait to hang out with you and collaborate on raising these tiny humans. If you're digging this podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts, scroll down, click those stars and leave a review. It really fills my heart to hear from all of you. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.